This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. Can everybody just snap your fingers once? Reach your hands over your heads. And I'm doing this for me as much as I'm doing this for you. So hang on, time out. I want to tell you a story. I was once a kid. And I was an innocent kid. And um, I grew up in a religion. And I remember being a child and being taught about God, and God was like this beautiful, warm blanket I could wrap around myself. And I felt like there was beauty in the world, and I, and I had my innocence. And as I grew up in this religion, and like all religion, this is what blows my mind now that I'm so far away from the concept of religions, is every religion believes it's the truth that it's worshiping God in the only acceptable way in God's eyes, and that every other religion, although they might be good-natured, is not the truth. And in my religion, they would literally refer to it as the truth. And um, this is how it happened for me. So I'm just this little boy, you know, I'm going to the meetings, and I remember one of the reasons I came to Unity was I wanted my kids to be around older people. Because when I was a little boy growing up in this little logging town, my best friends were the older people in the congregation. I mean, I had real conversations and, and would hear stories. I always loved to hear stories. And it was, it was just really enriching for me as a child to, to have all these older people I could go sit in their lap or talk to and ask questions and hear jokes. And they would give me candy with lint on it from their pockets. <laughs> and, and it was a wonderful thing. And then came the teachings of separateness. You can't play with those kids because they're not in the truth. You can't celebrate those holidays because those are worldly holidays. And that right there started to have this chink in my mind and in my heart that, so we're special in this religion and everyone else is somehow less than. And my concept of God at the time, you know, God loved everyone. You know, we all come from God. And I remember having that idea of, well, then what is truth? Because this isn't making sense to me. And I remember asking one of the brothers, you know, that's how we refer to each other, one of the elders, you know, trying to figure this out. And I said, well, you know, what happened before God? You know, and taking it back, he's like, well, you know, God happened first and then God made everything else. And I said, well, then what did he make it out of? Was there something besides God to make everything else out of? He says, well, no, God would have to make that out of himself. And I said, well, nothing happened besides God and nothing happened before God. And I I, I was, you know, I was a kid when I was doing this. You know, I'm trying to put this together. And he's like, "Well, well, no, God happened and then God made everything out of himself. There's nothing else besides or outside of God. And I'm like, well, how can... How can then some people who are also made from God by God not be part of God's plan for heaven or the new system, whatever that was? You know, and this started because I remember we were watching Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom on Sunday night after Disney. <laughs> and, and in this, it showed, it was Micronesia, and it showed this really happy Polynesian family. And you could just tell the mom and dad loved each other And their kids are running along the beach holding hands with their mom and dad. And I'm thinking, these people have never heard of this religion. 
How could they not be part of God's love? How could that not be part of God's plan, you know, for heaven or whatever came after this? And that began me on a journey of, of questioning, of questioning what is truth. And, and in giving this talk, when I, I, I want to let you, when I give these talks, this is my singleness of purpose. It is hard for me to consider or like before, before it's hard for me to talk to people. It's hard for me to go outside of the scope of this talk. This is where I'm at right now and where I've been in this research. And I honestly wanted to do this research and come to this eventuality of one universal truth that I could wrap up like a blanket that would give me a guide to every moment from this point on in my life. And I would always know the right answer and never doubt myself or struggle with inconsistencies ever again, because that's what my concept of truth was. It's got to be out there. I, you know, I not, might not have found it. Kind of like when Einstein was trying for his theory of relativity, he wanted an equation he could put in parentheses that could explain everything. And it didn't happen. And it may never happen. So we're going to talk about three theories of truth. And these have been debated and are still debated, questioned. Um, they've had their time of being popular and time of falling out. The first one we're going to talk about is the coherence theory of truth. And I'm going to read just a couple of statements. Something is true if it is coherent in the structure of my beliefs and experiences. A belief is true if it coheres with a larger set of beliefs. So in, in the story I had of being a child, the idea that everything came from God, everything's part of God, that God is love, that was my coherent system of beliefs, and it didn't make sense that God would not love someone who'd never heard of them who grew up on a tropical island. That, that didn't make sense in my coherent beliefs. Um, for an illustration, and, and this, this whole thing came out from what they called the idealists. And they believed that in this, they didn't go as far as call it God, because they were philosophers, not people of religion. But they believed that there was this absolute coherence to this matrix. You know, whatever it is that we can see, smell, taste, touch, feel, hear, whatever this material word is, some people call that God, they called it an absolute. And they believed that there was a coherent harmonic resonance to this reality that we are part of and we exist within. And that if something's out of tune or wrong with it, we would know. As if to say, imagine a symphony. So we're in this auditorium and there's a symphony. If there's one instrument or one string on one instrument that is out of key, you can hear that. It's not resonant with this theory. And this is also about our beliefs and experiences. You know, the nurturing or lack of nurturing we had as a child, concepts and ideas, that we believe that when we hear something new or have some situation, our mind already starts processing every experience, occasion, teaching, principle that we've learned in our life and compares it with this set of beliefs to see if it's coherent. And if we perceive it as being coherent, then we accept it as being true. And as I was meditating on this and talking and thinking about this, so that, that's something I believe. I believe that there is a coherent harmonics to this matrix we live in. And there's really no shortage of things that I see out there that seem incoherent with this matrix. And then I started to think about, in, in the concept of what is truth, what am I thinking about? How am I feeling? What am I making true for me right now? 
I know that if I'm in a place of disempowerment or resistance or of, of fear or even judgment, that my mind, this is what our minds do, I put that to work on finding evidence to prove how I'm feeling. So then truth all of a sudden quit being this thing outside of me or this thing written in books. I'm participating with truth right now. I'm becoming a co-creator in this harmonic absolute and what I choose to think about and what I choose to perceive, I then become someone trying to make something true. In The Course in Miracles, it talks about this a huge amount, that, uh, that what we choose to believe, being childs of the cosmos or children of God, what we believe, we give power. In Unity, it teaches the similar teachings and that as sovereign human beings, what we choose to think about, what we choose to believe, we give that power. Behold that for a moment as fellow creators of this current reality we live in. Truth isn't something that's out there that philosophers talk about. Truth is something that we make real within us each moment. And the idea of what is the result of that in incoherence, you know, if, if we're feeling anxiety, judgment, anger, what we choose to think about, how we hold on to that, we're trying to make it real. Or, I think the reason why those things hurt so bad and are so unpleasant for us is life's trying to remind us of what we truly are and the idea of love and acceptance and kindness and compassion. And when we choose to think about those things, we then make those true for us. So in this, in this concept, this coherence theory, Truth is not necessarily some outside thing we have no control over. We're participating, we're co-creating with that now. Here's another theory of truth. And it was so funny because I was a curmudgeon and sort of a nihilist in a way when I was talking about this because I thought, I know what truth is. But I've, I've found truth in each one of these concepts of truth. The next one is the pragmatic theory of truth. And this, is <clears throat> this has to do mainly with science and mathematics. This is when you break down this reality into components and see what works. So the main statements of this is something is true if it works, something is true if it can be verified, corroborated, or validated. It's, it's tested, repeated, measured. It's refined. It isn't an absolute forever. As, as, as scientists study more, they learn more. These truths change, but the pragmatic thing of truth is, in real time and space, is we can fly airplanes. We can jump out of, out of airplanes with parachutes. We can create worldwide instantaneous communication with these truths of mathematics, science, um, chemistry. They've proven to be true over and over again in a very different way than we were talking about the absolute that in real time and space they work. When you add in personalities, egos, preferences, flavors, colors, and seasons, they start to go awry. They work really good with hard substance in time and space, but not so much when we come to spirituality and feelings and ideas and opinions. And the next one is correspondence, and this is one of the most basic, basic theories of truth we're gonna talk about now. And that is, I am holding nothing in my hand. That's true if I'm holding nothing in my hand. <laughs> um, you can verify that. 
You can see there's nothing in my hand, and therefore there's correspondence with that. And so this is one of the basic, simple, factual things. If you can see it in real time and space, and you can corroborate that, it then becomes true. And there's the illustration of uh, the four blind men and the elephant. And you have four blind men, and they're all touching this same ele elephant. And one blind man's touching the, the leg, and the blind man says it. The elephant's like a tree. It's thick, and it's round. And another one's touching the trunk, and he says, the elephant's like a serpent. You know, it, it moves like a serpent. The other blind man's touching the skin, and he says, the elephant's, you know, like bark. Well, the interesting thing about that is each individual is speaking their truth, that there's an individuality of truth. And, and that's one of the things that disturbs me more because we also have Nazis, we also have racists who have their individual truth. And when I think about that, and we're going to talk about Martin Luther King in a little bit, and what I would encourage each one of you to do is examine your truths. Examine your truths with how they make you feel, with what you would choose willingly to give in this world, and, and what you would have. What would you have? You're worthy of joy, love, compassion, forgiveness being one of the big ninja Jedi superpowers in this lifetime, forgiveness. We can't do anything about someone else and what they choose to believe. That's okay. My truth is, I can do something about what I choose to believe, what I choose to make true within me. And we all are sovereign beings. One of, so this is my tribe, is this unity congregation. Because we share these beliefs. We share these beliefs that we're sovereign beings, children of a loving cosmos, that we have free will, that each one of us as an individual has the power to change our lives with how we choose to think, what we choose to make true with us. And, and unity provides a set of principles, and then we have programs and, and books and book studies all designed to how can we refine what we choose to believe? Raise your hand, please. How many of you have consciously thought about what is true for you? Nice. I, I, I would be willing to, to bet that many of us don't often do that. And, and that's really where I've come to this point in this talk is it's within us now. We have power to affect and change and, and do this willingly and consciously instead of subconsciously fulfilling the programs we've been handed down through the media, through our parents, who came through unknown trauma that brought us to this point. But truth is something that we participate in. It's, and, and, I, and I believe there is a universal truth, even if I don't have an equation for that. But to seek out and, and, and really search within us to find out what that is for us. And then, and then to measure and change that and, and give that thought. And, there, and thereby, we're no longer helpless victims of life. We become players. And I'd like to invite Sylvia up right now. And, and we're going to talk about Martin Luther King Jr. and show a video. And, 
And right now, as we speak, there are people in prison in Russia who chose to follow their truth and oppose the war there. Recently, there have been uprisings in Iran for, for personal justice and, and human freedom. That these are, are important things that are going on right now, and we get to be a part of that. So we're a little out of order, but Kevin, can you jump to the video clip? Beautiful talk. That the power of questioning my truths. And I would even offer that, is it true that I'm holding nothing? Because right here there's bacteria, there are <laughs> molecules, there are dust motes, right? So there's a wonderful teaching in A Course in Miracles um, that says when we're, especially if it's, a, if it's a situation that we're struggling with or what's working, what's, what's helping me right now, I am having a really big challenge with some family members um, when I'm holding a belief about them to just step back and say, maybe there's a different way to look at this. What have I got to lose by asking? I don't know, I do know, what I'm feeling right now, I don't like. Maybe there's a different way. It's the, for me, the power is in the unlearning, right, of, of, of so-called truth. I want to ask you a question, and that is, what is in your life's blueprint? Number one in your life's blueprint should be don't allow anybody to make you feel that you are nobody. Always feel that you count. Always feel that you have worth. And always feel that your life has ultimate significance. Don't be ashamed of your color. Don't be ashamed of your biological features. Somehow you must be able to say in your own lives and really believe it, I am black but beautiful. And believe it in your heart. Secondly, in your life's blueprint, you must have the determination to achieve excellence in your various fields of endeavor. When you discover what you're going to be in life, set out to do it as if God Almighty called you at this particular moment in history to do it. It falls your lot to be a street sweeper. Sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep streets like Beethoven composed music. Sweet streets like Leontine Price sings before the Metro Metropolitan Opera. Sweet streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. And so from an old slave cabin of Virginia's hills, Booker T. Washington rose up to be one of America's great leaders. He lit a torch in Alabama, and darkness fled in that setting from a poverty-stricken area of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Marin Anderson rose up to be the world's greatest contralto 
so that a Toscanini could say that a voice like this comes only once in a century. And Sibelius of Finland could say, my roof is too low for such a voice from crippling circumstances. There came a George Washington Carver to carve for himself an imperishable niche in the annals of science. Then came Joe Lewis and Muhammad Ali with their educated fists. All of them came to tell us that we can be somebody. Skin may differ, but affection dwells in black and white the same. And if I were so tall as to reach the pole, to grasp the ocean at a span, I must be measured by my soul. The mind is the standard of the man. Finally, finally in your life's blueprint must be a commitment to the eternal principles of beauty, love and justice. Don't allow anybody to pull you so low as to make you hate them. I close by quoting once more the man that the young lady quoted, Langston Hughes. One day he wrote a poem entitled Mother to Son. Well, son, I'll tell you Life for me ain't been no crystal stat, it's had tax in it. Boards torn up places, but no carpet on the floor, bare. But all the time, I's been a-climbing on and reaching landings and turning corners and sometimes going in the dark where there ain't been no light. So boy, don't you stop now. Don't you sit down on the steps cause you finds this kind of hard, but I'm still going, boy. I'm still climbing, and life for me ain't been no crystal stair. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl, but by all means, keep moving. How about that for truth? Beauty, love, justice. Boom, life blueprint. That was awesome. This is to MLK. We actually don't talk openly about it, but Rev Jane and I and others, we kind of organize the content that we provide every um, Sunday around seasons. And right now we're entering the season of nonviolence, which starts with MLK Day and runs through, um, I think, Gandhi's birthday. So these kinds of themes and we offer that up for everyone to be thinking about it. How do, where do we have opportunities to release a violent truth that we're holding in beliefs, right? Do you have more to say, my friend? Yeah, excuse me. And more and more, in studying the course and practicing this spiritual path, I don't see violence. Hang on, time out. Sometimes I stutter. When I see someone acting violently or nations acting violently, I realize that if they knew a better way, they would do it. That violence is an old paradigm that no longer serves us. 
And instead of seeing a villain, I see someone who's confused, desperate, and doesn't know what else to do. Because every violent person was once a child who experienced violence. If someone knew better, they would do better. And I choose to see the better in them in spite of how it may be perceived in form. I want to read one quote um, from Martin Luther King that really hit me. Um, Because there are times when I look at the world and and I I feel disempowered because it seems so out of control. But um, I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. That is why right, temporarily defeated, is stronger than evil, triumphant. That's a truth I choose to believe and it's like a warm blanket I can pull around myself and fall asleep with at night. Can you read it again? I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final say in reality. That is why right, temporarily defeated, is stronger than evil triumphant. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Thank you. you. I love you too. (laughs) 